All right. We are, so we are in the book of Micah. We are not um, starting a series in Micah. This is just a one-off. Um, I'll, yeah, I guess I'll do, I'll do the reveal now. Every year in January, we do what we call a summer series, summer camp. We do things a little bit different. Um, it's been quite interactive the last few weeks. It's been focusing on setting us up for table communities. But also what we often do is talk about habits of grace. We talk about these, uh, these different things that we get to do with God, yeah. whether it's reading his word or praying together or gathering in community with each other. So um, I thought, or we thought, uh, okay, we, we've done our, our three pillars of what table communities are built upon. There's a fourth Sunday this January. Let's just do one on habits of grace. There we go, habits of grace, a bunch of different ways to regularly walk with God. And I want the basis of today to be in Micah 6, 8. So let's jump back to that passage, Micah 6, 6 to 8. Thank you so much, Chris, who is um, speedily jumping around the slides uh, because I I put them in order in which I'm going to talk about them and I'm already talking about them out of order. (laughs) Um, Micah, actually, I will get you to go to the slide before that. Uh, Micah is... uh, Michael is a minor prophet. That means he's one of the Old Testament prophets who has a book, but it's a shorter book than like Isaiah and Jeremiah. That's all it means that, it, that he's a minor prophet. Um, he, uh, it, Michael starts by saying which kings were alive when he was prophesying, and so that puts him living at about the same time as Isaiah and Hosea, and uh, it puts him living about, or uh, it puts this book written between 735 and 700 BC. That is right before Israel is, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel gets uh, conquered and exiled by Assyria. Um, It's about 100 years before the southern kingdom of Judah gets conquered and exiled by Babylon. So that will just kind of situate you there. It's seven short chapters, well worth checking out. There's a lot in there. And sort of one of the main features of Micah is it is um, a lawsuit. This is what most of the commentaries say, and this is kind of like the language that we see in there. God is suing his people. He's saying, we had a a deal, we had a covenant, and you're not holding up your side of the deal. And um, at the beginning of chapter 6, he says, uh, Arise, plead your case before the mountains, let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the indictment of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has an indictment against his people and he will contend with Israel. And then he asks for Israel to kind of stand, make their case, what, what do you even have to say for yourselves? <laughs> right? And so then we'll go, go to Micah 6, 6 to 8. Um, and this is kind of, this is, Micah's still writing this, but this is kind of the, the, the response of Israel um, and Judah to God's, uh, accusations against them, and they accept it. They say, you're right, how can we make amends? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come with burnt offerings? That was like, like with calves a year old, that was a standard sin offering that um, was kind of requ- required of Israel throughout history. Um, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Okay, we need to go above and beyond. We've really stuffed it big time. Is there more that we can do? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God hates child sacrifice. Just so we're really clear, the Bible's really clear on that. We see some cases of it in, in history, even in biblical history, God always hates it. Um, and, and 
Israel's not saying, let's sacrifice a child for you. It's saying, there's nothing we can do to make amends. What do you require of us? And that brings us to God's response uh, beautifully in verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Isn't that lovely? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. This is one of those um, big summarizing verses, one of these big encapsulating verses. You know, we have uh, in the New Testament, we have um, someone says to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there is another like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. We call these the two great commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. This, is, this sums up the whole law and the prophets. This sums up everything, right? This is another one. It was, uh, the commentary uh, in my study Bible said, described these as the three forms of love. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. To do justice, be good. Do what is right. And most of the time when you look for justice in the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament, it's like a lot of the laws are about what is justice, but when the word justice comes up itself, it's to highlight, make sure that the poor experience justice. Make sure that the widow has someone standing up for her. Make sure that justice is equal for everyone. And so it's beautiful. God's justice is beautiful. Um, and then uh, to love kindness, or a lot of translations will say to love mercy. Kindness uh, is sort of undeserved kindness, right? Um, so both translations are great. Uh, both are great to put up on your wall to love kindness or to love mercy, that shows the heart, doesn't it? As what are we, what's our disposition towards others? What's our disposition towards those who've wronged us? Do we forgive? Do we love? And finally, to walk humbly with your God. This is a relationship. How are we with God? Are we with him? We can technically obey the rules to the letter. And a lot of the Pharisees in, the, in New Testament times kind of believed that they were doing that, right? Technically obeying the law to the letter and even going above and beyond. We can, um, you know, we can be living lives of great love for one another, but these are incomplete if we're not in a relationship with God, if we're not walking humbly with God. And I don't mean to say that we can actually do those other two things perfectly without being in relationship with God. But what I mean to say is that these are three absolutely essential elements that all work together that God requires of us. This is why the commentary says these are three forms of love. Jesus says the whole law is summed up in love. And we can see how these are the doing of love, the heart of love, and the living out of love with the God who created us to be in relationship with us. The, um, this sermon, I'm just going to focus on walk humbly with your God. The do justice is great. The love, kindness, and mercy is great. But I really want to focus on the walk humbly with your God. I really want to focus on the relationship aspect. Um, when, I was, so when I was 10 months old, um, this is a story I've heard a few times, but I asked mum to sort of like confirm some things for me. When I was 10 months old, I, w I was walking, um, and I walked out the front yard, um, 
onto the street and went exploring. Now, <laughs> mum was there. <laughs> she saw what was going on. But rather than stop me in my tracks and, uh, and bring me back, she wanted to see, okay, when's he going to like kind of stop and, and look around? When's he going to go, where's my mum? When is he going to uh, turn back? And so she followed um, very close but behind me so that if I turned around and looked to her, I would see her, and if I didn't, I wouldn't. And apparently I went on quite a journey <laughs> and didn't turn around once. <laughs> utterly oblivious to mum's care right behind me. I crossed two roads. There's no traffic. I was approaching a road where there was traffic, and mum was like, all right, that's enough, and scooped me up and took me home. But you can imagine, you, you, you've got to walk quite some distance to cross three roads if you're, if you're a, and for a 10-month-old, that takes quite some time. So this is quite a huge adventure. And to me, this stands out to me as the opposite of walk humbly with your God. <laughs> because I was walking boldly, absolutely oblivious to the care that was available to me. Absolutely oblivious to mum's good purposes, absolutely oblivious to the dangers around me. And to me, that seems kind of familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I think this is our natural inclination. I think this is how we tend to live our lives apart from God. Yeah. Maybe it's a bit more sophisticated than that, but, but I think by and large, uh, our experience of humanity is, is um, we uh, kind of step out and go, all right, let me figure things out. Let me figure out where I want to go. Let me figure out what I'll pursue, where I think I'll find satisfaction. And then we pursue those things in the hope that we can actually achieve them, which is often not the case, and the hope that they'll actually satisfy us properly, and it turns out that's never the case. Anyway, I'm not going to spend too much time there. But so... For me, that's a strong parallel. Um, that's the natural way that we walk out into the world. Boldly oblivious to God. How much more beautiful is this picture? Walk humbly with your God. Um, While 10-month-old me had this self-confidence that was utterly unwarranted, but also hadn't been kind of like challenged by, you know, moving cars or, or steps or anything. Um, <clears throat> when we walk with God, humbly with God, we, our, our self-confidence gives way to an understanding of our smallness in creation, right? Our self-confidence also doesn't mean that we lose all confidence, it actually gives way to a greater confidence because just as mum can scoop me up uh, the moment before anything happens, God is greater than anything and everyone around us. God takes care of us. God has a purpose for us. God made us, knowing us intimately, knowing what we would do, where we would be, and had a plan for us from the get-go. And his plan for us is, for everyone, generally to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with him. I love that picture. And, and I guess the point today really is for us to love that picture more and more. 
Um, yeah. This walk is something we see a lot in the Bible. Uh, in, in Genesis 5, we uh, hear about Noah's um, ancestors. So or we, hear, we hear about Noah as well, but we hear about the man that came before him. And Noah's great-grandfather, Enoch, the Bible says very little about him except uh, his name was Enoch, he walked with God, and then he was not, for God took him. God just took him. Hebrews 11 actually unpacks that a little bit and, and just says he didn't see death. He was taken up because he pleased God. Enoch, distinctively in his line, walked with God. And his great-grandson Noah, we are all, we've all heard of Noah, right? That he alone was righteous in his generation. What does Genesis say? Noah walked with God. And then when God made his promise to Abraham that he will bless him, that he will multiply him, he said, walk before me. This walking picture, this relationship is throughout history, throughout the history of our, of, of our experience of God, throughout the history of creation, this is what God has made us for. So, I really want to lean into the bigness of this privilege, that we get to walk with God, that we get to walk with our Creator. Psalm 8, verses 3 to 4, King David says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? It's a fair question, David. When you look at how much God has done, when you look at all of creation, the intricacies of a beautiful flower or the magnitude of a beautiful view or the impossible to imagine stars, which if you look really closely, turns out they're galaxies full of billions of stars, the immenseness of space, which God created in exacting detail with a word. Who are we that God's mindful of us? Who are we that God even knows who we are? Who are we that we get to walk with him? Isn't that crazy? That God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, created you and said, walk with me. Praise God. So I want to picture yourself walking, holding the hand of God, except he's much greater than we are. So imagine, like you're, compared to him, you're the scale of a small child. And you're reaching up and you're holding his finger. And um, his voice makes the ground tremble. But every word he speaks is true and good. And his tone is warm. That when you, that when you speak to him, he smiles. And though his steps are much bigger than yours, you walk with humble confidence knowing that if you need to stop, he'll wait with you. If you need to be lifted up, he'll carry you. And if there's something for you to do, you'll be able to do it. Whether by something he's given you or by his active help in that moment. And that if we misstep along the way, that's okay. Our space beside him is secure. How awesome that we get to walk humbly with our God. Are you with me on how beautiful that picture is? 
Isn't it wonderful? And so I want us to all be like, yeah, I want to walk with God. I think, a lot, like, I think most of us in this room are walking with God in, in some capacity, right? But I want to walk more and more with God. I want to um, intentionally walk with God. And so that's why it's, it's a habits of grace sermon, right? Because when we talk about habits of grace, when we talk about fasting, worship, the word, our service, community, Sabbath, blessing, prayer, generosity. These aren't comprehensive, but these are a whole bunch of things, the ways that we engage with God's grace, ways that we walk with him. I think often we think of them as like a checklist. We think of them as like a rule book. We think of them as a quota to meet. How's, how am I doing with God at the moment? Oh, I haven't been reading my Bible lately. Maybe I'll open it up now. I've been reading it for about 10 minutes. Is that enough? That sometimes, like it's silly when you kind of say it like that, but I think that is sometimes our experience of, of these, um, what we call habits of grace, these, these ways of engaging with God. And so the whole point today, the whole point of me talking today anyway, is that we see the beauty of walking with God and that we'd want to do it. Let's eliminate all guilt and, oh, you should be spending more time in the Bible, I guess, or let's, let's remove that and go, I want to spend time in the Bible because this is how God talks to me. I want to spend time in the Bible because um, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God is such a beautiful verse. But if I spend time in the Bible, if I read more of Micah, I understand it even more beautifully. I see that this is in response to Israel and Judah having turned their back on God. They said, what can we do? What can we do to make it up to you? And God says, just what I've always required of you. I'm not requiring extra. Just do right, love mercy, and walk with me. And then as you look around Micah, you look at um, the history that precedes it, and Micah points back to it. Look at what you've done, Israel. Look at what God has done for you. You see the wonder of God bringing his people out of Israel, rescuing them from slavery. You see the ways that God brought his people into a new land. Um, Joshua says in, um, you know, in cities that you did not build, I gave them to you. You see the generosity of God to his people. And if you look through hundreds of years of history, you see our own inclination to move away from him. we see more completely our need for Jesus. And we see in Micah that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah that Jesus will be a suffering servant. In Daniel that Jesus will come uh, in a while but before the temple is destroyed. And the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. We see that just the more time we spend in the Word the more we understand God and how he's worked in history and, how, and our place in history and our relationship with God. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. Let's spend time in the Word. It's, let's love to walk with God. Let's encourage each other to do so. And share with each other knowing that it's without judgment or anything like that. It is not a... I'm not measuring you by how your walk is going. 
But I want you, and I want me, and I want you to want me to engage more with God because His Word is good. Because talking to Him and having His ear is an immense privilege. Because walking alongside brothers and sisters in Christ is an amazing way that we get to experience God's love for us and they get to experience God's love for them. God's using you to love people and using the people around you to love you. How awesome is that? I want us to rest and I'm, I, I like in preparing this sermon, I'm like, oh man, I'm really bad at resting. Um, God, who didn't need rest, rested. And told his people to set aside time for it. And then in Jesus' day, Pharisees are like, what are your disciples doing working on the Sabbath? Because they were just pulling food off, like, they were harvesting, right? They were grabbing, imagine pulling an apple off a tree and someone's saying, what are you doing working on a Saturday? (laughs) And Jesus says, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. This is a gift to us. This is God's goodness to us. It's not to get in the way of your ambitions with work. It's not to get in the way of what you need to do. It's that you don't need to do everything. But you need to rest. So that's what I want to encourage us in. So um, monthly, we have our, our Habits of Grace postcards at the back there. Feel free to turn around and look at them. They look like this. About a year ago, my wife Tripti and Josh's wife Anna uh, wrote these up um, just Here are a whole bunch of ways that we can walk with God, a whole bunch of ways that we can engage with Him, and some tips on how to do them. Uh, Will did amazing work making them look really pretty and getting them made. Um, And so, in my opinion, um, I didn't make them, so I'm allowed to say this, they uh, look plenty nice enough to put in the fridge, to put somewhere where they're quite visible, and are reminders to engage in these things. Um, Fasting. We... I think Sabbath and fasting are great examples, actually, of, of things that culturally we don't do. Even as Christians, we know, yeah, prayer is good. Yeah, reading the Word is good. Um, a lot of us don't fast at all, and a lot of us don't Sabbath at all. And, but these are God's goodness to us as well. I think, to me, I think of fasting as kind of like the world's oldest life hack. When you're too busy, when you, when you go... This week, I'm going to pray more. This week, I'm going to put a lot of, I'm going to check up on a friend. This week, I'm going to do this and that. And then that week, you don't do it. You go, oh, I guess this next week, I'll think harder about it. What fasting does is it reminds you that you've set set something aside for yourself. By tapping into your hunger or whatever else you're choosing to forego that you might otherwise have done. It's it's, it's an unavoidable reminder that, oh, yeah. I'm praying for my friend's healing. I'm going to stop and pray for him. And if what you're fasting from takes up time, it makes time as well, it's, it's wonderful. Um, fa- so grab a fasting card. I'd love for us to run out of fasting cards today. We can always print more. So, so here's the, here's the, the uh, suggestion. They're always, they're always there once a month for people to grab whenever they want. I think we haven't run out and needed to reprint yet, but, but we always can. Um, there's not enough for everyone to grab one today, but there are enough for everyone to grab a couple. And maybe it is, it is the word is obviously good, but I'm not spending time in it. 
and so you grab that. Or maybe it's fasting is never, ever on my radar, and so let me put it on my radar and grabbing that. But we have um, blessing. It is, it is God's goodness to us that we get to be God's goodness to each other. Um, there is prayer, of course, we get to talk to God. There is generosity. Everything we have in this world is simply borrowed from God, and God takes care of his children. So why don't we give freely for um, the care of each other, for the care of the world, for the, the Bible has a lot to say about good religion being caring for the poor, for the widow, for the, for the neglected, right? It's fasting, uh, Sabbath rest, service. Jesus modeled incredibly what service can look like when he washed his disciples' feet. That's like the obvious example where he stooped the lowest he could stoop without dying and then he went and died. Jesus stooped so low for the good of his friends, for the good of the people around him. So of course we can as well. Community. We cannot, we cannot thrive as Christians in utter isolation. We need brothers and sisters in Christ. Worship. Worship isn't just what we did this morning, which was awesome, standing and singing God's praises, but it's praying God's praises, speaking God's praises, thinking God's praises. You can worship in how you enjoy a good drink. You can worship in how you enjoy a friend. And then the word. I'll, towards the end of last year, Look, 2023 was a bit of a hard year for us. Um, and one, one aspect of that was really uh, quite well anticipated. We had a baby at the beginning of 2023. Um, and, you know, that really impacts sleep and just capacity to do anything and everything. But um, it occurred to me late in the year, as I was reflecting on my relationship with Tripti, my wife, that when we uh, were dating and engaged, we were long distance, 12-hour time difference. Um, the only way we could... Uh, we had to call each other to talk to each other, and we did this every single day. And I'm not a morning person at all, but I did this at 6 a.m. every single day. And I knew that in order to be able to get up at 6 a.m. the next day, I had to be at, in bed at 10 p.m. tonight, or I'll be a wreck the next day. And so that was three years. As it turns out, we are able to make room for the things that we value. <laughs> Right? So let's make room for the word. Let's make room to meet with each other. Let's make room to, to dedicate time to prayer. But also, let's just talk to God wherever we are. Prayer is, is kneeling in solitude or it is um, standing at the front here at 9.30 a.m. We have a prayer meeting anyone everyone is invited to or it is in your head in a crowded elevator, or out loud in a crowded elevator if you're feeling brave. <laughs> but it, we have this access to God wherever we are, right? What a privilege. What a privilege that we get to walk with God. So I just want us to encourage each other today and this week and this month and this year how good is it to walk with God? Share with each other how you're walking with God. Make plans with each other to walk with God. The, um, 
Hardest thing about going off script is ending well. But I want to pray for us. Because here's the thing. Actually, you know what? I want to I take a moment because I think I missed an important thing. And that is, before all of these habits, before these are any good to us, there's one requirement, there's one thing we need to actually walk with God. And what's that? Salvation. Jesus. Right? Enoch, who God took up at 365 years old, I'll bet you money he wasn't sinless at 365 years old. And, and in fact, uh, the Bible's quite clear on no one is good but God. Jesus is the only perfect one. Jesus is the only one who actually walked with God perfectly. Hebrews 10 tells us that the sacrifices of the Old Testament by which people righted themselves with God, those sacrifices didn't actually do anything. And that's okay because God had planned from the get-go that Jesus was going to come and be the actual sacrifice that actually pays for, for sins. And so when Micah talks about walking with God, when we read about Noah, uh, Abraham walking with God, or even before God had any covenant with his people, Noah and, uh, and Enoch walking with God, they're able to walk with God because of Jesus. And so, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I implore you to get to know him. God's word tells us all about him. From the, the 700 years before he was born in Micah, or even earlier than that in the Psalms, or even earlier than that in Genesis, it all points to Jesus. It's in Jesus that we get to walk with God. Jesus invites us to be his friends, his brothers, his co-heirs of eternity. How wonderful that in him we can walk with God. So um, in a moment, Mark is going to lead us into communion when we remember what Jesus did to pay for our sins, what Jesus did to make it so that as far as God's concerned, as long as we believe in Jesus, we are considered righteous. We are considered to have done justly. And we are considered to have loved mercy. So that the motivation to do those things is not to get into heaven. There's no ulterior motive. Heaven's already sorted in Jesus. And so we can do those things, do justice, love kindness and mercy, because they are good, because... These are the, the attributes of God that we were made to live in imitation of. So Mark's going to lead us uh, into communion. But first, I want to pray for us. Because it is also not, thankfully, on us to just muster the desire, to just summon up the want, summon up the, the, the yep, yeah, okay, I'm going to really want to wa walk with God. Thankfully, God wants this for us as well. God answers prayer. God listens to us. So pray with me as we ask God for help. Let's pray. Great God, creator of the heavens and earth, author of salvation, who are we 
that you are mindful of us. And yet you've given us your words, your ear, and countless brothers and sisters so that we can enjoy you. When we were far from you, you made a way for us in Jesus, and in his name we are counted as righteous. We get to be heirs with him to an eternal inheritance where we will walk with you face to face. Help us, please, to grow in our desire to walk with you and help us also to walk. Thank you that you are faithful to do this since it's what you made us for. In Jesus' name, amen.